At Oit Labs, our belief is in the science and creativity that propels our industry. Our dedication to exceptional quality means we carry out the same standards and care for every batch for consistently superior products. We pride ourselves in fueling the brewing community by offering new product innovations, educational resources, and a collaborative atmosphere, empowering brewers to make the best beer possible. Check us out at whitelabs.com and follow us on Instagram at whitelabsyeast for the latest happenings. Happy fermentations. everybody. Today, I am joined by John Costa of ABM Equipment. We're going to dive straight into John's story and tackle important questions regarding grain and malt handling. But first, John, how's it going today? Oh, it's going well, man. How about yourself, Andrew? It's a cold day here in Virginia, but I'm inside talking to you, so I really can't complain but so much. You bet. It's good so to meet you. Tell me a little bit more about how you got into the world of grain. You betcha. Um, you know, probably about 30 years ago, uh, I actually worked for a company uh, called Bratney and I did uh, grain cleaning, export cleaning uh, for ship loadout systems uh, up and down the Columbia River. Um, so, uh, and I, you know, at the other end of the brewery, uh, working with the companies that are uh, building the malts uh, and all that kind of stuff. So got my grain handling at the uh, commercial side. So I'd love to even back up before that. How did you end up in that position? Pardon me? How did you even end up at that position in the first place? Uh, controls background. Um, you know, I, I was uh, managing uh, a scale company at the time. And the company that did a lot of grain handling, that approached me. So I started working with those folks. And uh, just got built into it. Started at the farm, though. I mean, I was uh, making sales calls uh, to farmers all around the country uh, on the grain handling and grain movement, augering, cleaning, all that kind of stuff. And were you a beer person at that time? I always have been. Yeah, 100%. When the, when the malt, when the craft brew industry kind of took off, uh, I was in Seattle for that. Um, so that, that was a fun experience, uh, the first boom. And uh, yeah, it's never looked back. Been a good time. Do you have any short stories where you really you know, felt connected to the beer industry that made an impact on your career? Oh, good question. Um, think about that. Yeah, I actually have um, quite a few. Uh, one in particular, um, I, I work with uh, some people and, uh, in the very beginning in Seattle. And, uh, and I work with George uh, in the very beginning. And he, he was a great guy. Um, and he taught me a lot of what I know about the brewery industry. Got me kind of excited uh, I'd always been in the grain handling side of it. it took me around Seattle, introduced me to the vibe, um, and, and you know, met all those people. And, uh, you know, he was a, a star athlete, uh, in the field and, um, and it kind of ends on a depressing note. Uh, he had, he had a bunch of kids and, uh, he had to check out early. Um, so as the brewery industry, um, stepped up and we stepped up to help his family. And uh, so from a, I was amazed at all the people he knew um, and, you know, how they uh, came to his help, their family. Well, thank you for sharing that. And yeah, the beer industry is definitely a special industry. It's great to see how we come together for good, for the tough times, for just being yeah. there to help one another out. Yeah. And you That's operate and act and interact with tons of diff different industries, but would you say that beer is your favorite? 
hundred percent. Anytime I get to do something in the brewery industry and, and unfortunately I don't, you know, just the other day it happened. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've got family that are in it and, and my company, um, which I share a partnership with uh, my partner, Jeff. Um, but getting to go on a sales call uh, to a distillery the other day, the highlight. I mean, it's just fun. The, the people, light years different than calling on an engineering group at a food plant. And, uh, you know, it's just a fun group, man, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about what ABM does. So ABM's, uh, we've grown over time. It started out as a powder bulk solids company. Um, and boy, there's a, uh, a hoopa. Uh, sorry about that. All good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so no, we started out in the grain handling business, uh, powder bulk solids, move, like I say, moving grain and that kind of thing. Um, and then when the brewery industry came about, we, we have the, the brewery part of the business. Um, and we're, you know, just started out, uh, my partner and I, you know, selling the equipment. Um, both of us are technical background. And we learned right away that we, you know, want to service what we sell. So um, we started that, started growing that part of the business. Um, and that became, honestly, uh, that was a lot of fun. So we added fabrication, added some engineering uh, so that we could build all the transitions between piece to piece, build the mezzanines uh, on a brewery. Um, and so now we have a division that's, you know, building bulk bag unloaders, grist cases, hoppers, and all that kind of stuff. Um, background, uh, strong uh, background in the scale industry uh, myself, and had the opportunity to buy a scale company in Portland uh, that I had worked at the previous time. Uh, so adding a full-blown scale company uh, to our repertoire was nice. It helped us uh, with the controls aspect, uh, how it relates to the breweries, uh, being able to do that kind of thing. So a scale company. Um, and we have a, you know, honestly, if you had to break one more division down, it'd be product inspection. We have an x-ray company. We do food inspection, uh, looking for contaminants in food. Uh, how that would relate to the brewery industry is x-ray for bottles and cans. Uh, looking for glass contaminants and that kind of thing. So it takes a big brewery to want to do that, um, but <clears throat> they're out there. So kind of the three divisions. So we fabricate engineer, we have full service department and uh, staff. So all based around being able to service and support everything we do ourselves. Love it. Well, let's dive deep into the green questions. Let's start with this one. So John, how do you prevent green from bridging in? What are the different options when it does? Yeah, you betcha. So I think the best way to prevent it is to design correctly up front. Um, but whole grains, whole kernels are pretty free flowing. They're, they're, not, they're really not very difficult to keep from bridging normally. <clears throat> so if we're doing, you know, just uh, barley, oats, uh, if you're distillery, corn, uh, whatnot, um, on the prior to cracking or milling, um, they're pretty easy to handle as long as you respect the angle of repose, design to it, that kind of thing. Um, if we come into a project, um, let's say where they've got square hoppers with flat valleys, or they've got, you know, hoppers they've built with very shallow, you know, 25 degree cones um, that don't want to clean out flow right, then we, we add flow aids. Uh, we can do that with vibration, we can do that air, um, that type of thing. Um, so once you know, once it's happened, it's a different ballgame. Preventing it uh, is the best. Once, so I like to do it in the design phase, honestly. Um, 
prior to it happening. But we have a lot of different techniques. You know, like say if you come to a, a grist case, um, you know, by that time, if it's in a distillery, um, you know, their that grind is pretty fine. Uh, flow characteristics change a lot. Um, sometimes you just don't have the space to put in a steep conical bottom hopper. Um, so we might put a, a live bin bottom on something like that so that we've got the hopper coming down. Uh, you put a vibrating live bin bottom right underneath that. That saves you from having to put you know, seven or eight feet of sidewall. That'll prevent um, bridging very well. John, when you engage with a brewery, do you see that they know a lot already about grain handling or do you all take the role on as educator? Yeah, they've gotten a lot better. Um, <laughs> yeah, people have learned a lot. Uh, when we started out, no, uh, it was, I had people building, um, you know, grist cases and hoppers from plywood a lot, you know, when we started out. And, um, you know, so I saw, saw all kinds of things, but I'd say anymore, um, they do pretty well. Uh, there are some, the traps are out there. Most of the time, it's on the spit grain side uh, that we have flow problems, um, or on the grist. Awesome! Thanks for sharing that. So, John, how do you prevent grain dust from your mill and system? Hey, you bet. Um, <clears throat> so, on the mill side, having you know quality mill that's got good gaskets, doors, is built to be you know dust tight. Is a good starting point. Uh, breweries, um, you might know. Uh, a lot of times, uh, depending on on the individuals uh, on the brewery and where the money's at, you know, compromises get made along the way, and uh, some inexpensive mills get put in. Some of these mills are designed for the chicken industry, for feed and that kind of thing. And they work fine. Uh, some of them are dustier than others, but at the end of the day, having a good lid, good tight lid on the on the uh, mill hopper and a dust port. Um, we use a lot of two inch dust ports. We'll put sock on it. Um, so as you fill and you displace the air and the dust, that sock will catch it and leave it inside. Um, and then with the ultimate goal, um, as you want to approach it to being able to put dust control on that, on that vent and, and draw a vacuum. So let's talk a little bit more about the quality of mills and what impact does the quality of the mill have on the maintenance lifespan and the repairs of it? Yeah, you bet. Um, all the way. If, if the mill has been designed um, for the industry, um, across the board, there's a lot of really good products out there these days uh, for milling. Um, and so the, the quality of that manufacturer helps. And they built the mill that's easy to maintain. Because at the end of the day, good maintenance procedures, uh, one of the most important things that you can do. Uh, you know, keeping it clean, <clears throat> keeping it lubricated, checking your belts. Um, and so... A good quality mill is built to do that easily, um, which helps. If you've got, you know, some low quality mills um, that are cumbersome, it takes an hour to get to a, a spot, <clears throat> then, you know, people neglect that. Uh, so, you know, that's that's my, my kind of my guide to that. Across the board, no matter what kind of mill you buy, um, you've got to maintain it. And having a regular uh, program in place to do that is uh, extremely important. Do you all train the breweries on how to maintain their mills? We do. Um, and we have programs um, locally um, in our area for sure um, where we go out and do you know, preventative maintenance uh, for people. 
some people just like to say, yeah, come on in every couple, a couple months and go through our stuff. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of brewmasters are hands-on, uh, a lot of them are technical with equipment. Uh, some aren't. So thanks for sharing all that. So John, what's the difference between the maintenance repair of augers versus tubular drag? Yeah, I got you. Um, <clears throat> well, augers have been around a long time. You have a metal helix going through typically a plastic tube. And uh, so that they're high in general have been regarded as a high maintenance item. Uh, it's spinning in there. They're spinning fast. Um, and so they wear out. Um, and you wear out an elbow. You got to go through, pull it apart, all that jazz. Um, and, and the drives, you know, you get, they require oil. Um, you know, you got just normal, you know, normal maintenance, but the auger turning in a plastic casing is a high wear item. And so, uh, if as soon as you put one bend, uh, in that, in that system, uh, you're going to create a rub point. Um, you know, if you've gotten, you know, design has allowed it and you have one straight 45 degrees, uh, you know, it'll last longer and be a little less uh, headache on the maintenance side. But some people are, are doing this with augers, you know, coming up doing that with augers, all those create high maintenance points. Uh, when you get there, that's when a tubular really shines because uh, tubular drags um, are horizontal and vertical runs. They've got wheels in them. Uh, there's the friction's gone. Um, you know, that cable or chain going through the puck uh, or going through the casing, excuse me, with a puck um, is there's very little friction. And the same, you know, when I started out a lot, in a lot of industries, you go to a tubular um, for degradation issues, uh, gentle handling. So some brewers don't like augers just for that reason. They are so violent. Uh, they create fines. They don't want that in their mix. They want to control the crack. Um, so on top of maintenance, you have a quality issue. So we're a fan of uh, using uh, tubulars for sure. Any other benefits that brewers should be aware of when switching from a tubular to an, uh, from a tubular drag from an auger? Um, can you repeat that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. No, you're okay. Are there any other benefits that brewers experience from switching from a tubular drag to an auger from an auger? Yes. Thank you. So, well, unfortunately, I kind of touched on that a little bit already, right? So, uh, the big one is one on a, a price. Um, you know, the uh, augers are cheaper, uh, easily half the price, uh, depending on the run, could be even more than that. Uh, an auger will take up, they don't go vertical. So, really, 45 degree angle is about the most you want to push them. People have done, do 60 uh, and say they're fine, but uh, we, we tend not to do that. Um, they take up a lot of floor space. You know, if you got an auger cutting across your floor, you're going, th you know, got stuff, you got walkways, people are ducking down all the time. And they, they just take that up. But tubular, you know, you can come right out of a hopper, vertical right over the top. It's clean, makes a nice installation. Uh, from that perspective alone on space, um, you know, I, I'm a fan. I feel like I need to go tubular right now. What's that? I feel like I need to go tubular right now. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm a fan. I really am. They used to be, you know, 5X the price. They're not anymore. Awesome. So we've got a couple questions from brewers, and this is one we saw come up a couple times. Yeah. When should you weigh with a scale package versus weighing from the grist case? Yep, yep. Um, so the... Um, 
I like both. Uh, I, I'm a fan, honestly, personally, of using a small scale hopper um, above the mill um, and going that direction. Weighing at the grist case um, has advantages. I'll go both. Um, at the end of the day, if you've got a grist, uh, grist case hanging up above uh, your mash tun um, and you got lots of things going on, you want to pull it up there and weigh it up there, it's ready. When you go to discharge it, um, you know, you can control that flow. And in some particular, some breweries, some distilleries that we've worked with, they really uh, like to control and meter that differently from time to time. They'll put a, a gate in there. So they, they want to see the discharge rate and having this, having that grist case as a scale. Um, I can look at loss of weight and I can meter the grain at a very specific rate and we can adjust that. And so you can uh, look at that and, and, and play around with your hydration and that kind of thing. So that, that having that dual purposes, that scale package up there. Um, from space perspective, if you don't have space above your mill for a small 100-pound hopper, then I would I would scale up the grist case. Um, but a fill dump above the mill, um, I like them. They're very simple. Um, you have a mill, you turn it on. Um, it's... Let's say you've got a certain crack that's being taken place. Um, and so you have a certain throughput. Um, the control system will call for 100 pounds of grain above that mill. We'll fill that hopper. We'll shut off the supply. We'll open the gate. Products will go down into the mill. Then we'll start milling. All right. As soon as that scale hopper um, sees no weight, that gate shuts. We pull another one. And... We fill it up and we open the gate and we just keep that hopper full all the time. You don't need level indicators. If the uh, if the brewer, for whatever reason, has to stop his mill, um, everything stops. Automatic control system stops. He goes, does something else. Um, so problem upstream, downstream, comes back, starts milling again. I and The control system just picks up where it left off. It, it, it slaves to the middle. Um, so small scale package, that's a long answer, but small scale package um, will allow um, you know, to walk away. If you make adjustments to your mill and you've changed the throughput, uh, you don't have to use a VFD uh, on the upstream equipment to keep or a high level indicator and keep filling to that. It just follows it. Oh, if that makes sense. Oh, if I it, explain it, it, it does make sense. And I'm often guilty of talking a lot with my hands. And you just did an amazing job. So for anyone who's listening on Spotify, I definitely recommend you just come and watch the video of John and I right now. It's the fantastic descriptions there, John. Thanks, man. Now, let's get another question that someone's put in the chat. What are the efficiency gains you get when going from two-roll to four-roll? Yeah, this, you know, something that comes up a lot um, in distilleries, uh, wanting to gain that, those efficiencies. Um, and if you're, you're talking about the mash efficiency, correct? Mm -hmm. So the, um, you know, having that efficiency in place, you could get, you know, three to 6% um, better efficiency, more, more out of getting a better grind. Um, and, uh, you know, it's quite a bit. 
are you seeing breweries care more about efficiency these days than say in past years? Like for us in craft professionals, we see lots of buzzwords pop up over time. We saw data pop up. We saw like taproom technology and te technology really everywhere. We've seen sustainability. And I feel like efficiency is one of those words we keep seeing more and more. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, efficiency across the board um, is a word that's used everywhere. Um, and but if you're looking at um, your sugar efficiencies and efficiency of getting, uh, and again, are, are we talking about getting the maximum efficiency out of the grain or are you talking about the overall? I think maximum efficiency out of the grain, um, you know, you have to have the proper equipment um, to gain that efficiency. A lot of brewers can't use, can't obtain that efficiency with a standard bash done screen, um, where, um, you know, they can get that, uh, on the, uh, distillery side, um, efficiencies across the board on equipment, um, motor efficiencies, power efficiencies, um, it, we build to it all the time, hundred uh, percent. So that leads me up to a question that I was curious about. Are there any standard mile marks of production when people should buy different types of equipment? Like, for example, at what barrels should you usually get a chain disc or so on, like a bulk bag or silos, spent grains? What are your recommendations there for, you know, when you should look at the different types of equipment? You bet. Uh, good question. Um, the, you know, you start out a lot of breweries, uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of people starting out 60, 100 barrel breweries. Um, they used to start out at, you know, one, three, and five. Um, and so, but it, it, the, the, on a silo, um, you know, some of the design characteristics, we have people putting silos in right out of the gate now. If they if they can turn that silo, uh, that 45,000 pounds um, in three months, 90 days or so, um, they don't have to worry about any infestations and that kind of thing or characteristics, you know, things taking place in the silo without any thought. People go a lot longer. So, but uh, um, I would recommend a silo, um, you know, a couple of reasons. They'll save the money. Um, usually their silo, their grain provider might even have a program um, for that buyback on the silo added to their grain costs. Um, so right out of the gate, if you've got space for it, uh, on the property outside for it, a silo is a great a great uh, way to go. The uh, ergonomics of throwing all those fifties, um, you know, carrying that around, you know, that insurance companies, you know, kind uh, <laughs> to us all, right? So, um, you know, you, you want to try to minimize that. I mean, I've got brewers; they call it their weight program, their weight training program, but uh, you know, it, it can be rough after a while. Uh, bulk bag unloaders or compromise on the bulk side. Uh, a lot of times you'll have silos, bulk bag, you know, unloaders, uh, depending on, you know, what, what's going on in that brewery. You know, their base malt is going to be outside. Uh, typical brewery is trying to try to do some specialty blends and, and uh, you know, seasonals and, and that kind of thing. Uh, a BBU is a nice solution for that. You know, they don't really have silos, you know, full. they can buy two or three, you know, super sacks, manage it at that level. Um, now, as far as the rest of it, you know, the milling, uh, the grist case and hoppers, that kind of thing, just follows, it follows uh, whatever's happening with their business model. Yeah. No, thanks for walking us through that. So, John, what are the options for automating your grain handling? 
Yeah. Um, it's, you know, that's come a long way these days. Um, one of the things, you know, we've done, I mentioned earlier on with scale companies, um, you know, we were able to do most of the, you know, turn a gate on and off, that type of thing, uh, fill a scale hopper um, with, a scale, with a scale indicator. And we still do that, still do a lot of that. We put a control panel in and you could uh, run the grain side with the scale indicator, can interface um, if they've got a master system, uh, you know, on the brewery calling for grains. Um, we've also got, you know, um, on the automation side, um, we've added a, a small PLC that runs to scale. Um, and, you know, we've got a, a tablet. And so now the you know, brewer can, if he wants to be on Wi-Fi, you know, he can, it's an app. So he can do it on his phone. He can do it on, you know, his laptop, tablet, walk around. He'll, he can put in a blend uh, and just say, hey, I want X amount of, I'm doing blend A. Here's the recipe. He just hits blend A. And whatever, whatever it's, if it's one silo, three silos, if he's pulling from silos and bulk bag unloaders, specialty hopper, where his hand ads are in there, um, it'll remember all that and it'll just start the process, start pulling. We'll start with a baseball usually. We'll go to the specialties. Uh, we'll layer that in, mill it through, and then we'll flush back out with a baseball. Um, it's all automatic. Hit stop, you pause, you just you know go on your day. You put a timer on it, say hey, when I show up in the morning, I want you know two thousand pounds hanging above my mash tun, and it's there. Yeah. Sounds like it's gonna make everybody's life a little bit easier. We're trying. Yeah. That, the automation part's a lot of fun. We really enjoy that. We have a lot of guys that work hard on that one. When did the automation part become a big part of what you do at the business? Well, you know, for me, it's how I started. It's got, you know, doing automation with um, years ago, but now um, DSO, um, it's, uh, which is uh, DataBridge DSO, is the name of our package um, that we use. Um, and it's a big part of our business across all of our lines. So we're, we use it on our x-ray division. Um, we use it the scales. Uh, we're automating all kinds of things that happen in, on, on packaging lines where people use scales, loadout systems. So it's uh, automation's been something that's been in my blood for a lifetime. Very cool. So we just had another question come through. And it says, John, how can I plan for a new build or adapt an existing brewery to meet rising demand for NFPA compliance? And could you start by explaining to everyone a little bit more about NFPA compliance? You bet. The best the best way is just blow up your building and walk away from it. No, I just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> don't a, follow John's advice, everyone. Don't follow my advice. It's bad advice. Um, so NFPA, they're, they're workable. Um we're a full-scale dust collection company, so we do, like say, we'll be doing grain elevators and that kind of thing. We understand it really well, um, the insurance companies uh, and, and, uh, and, and WFPA. It's not hard. Um, there's very simple ways uh, to come in and inexpensive ways to provide compact, small dust collection uh, to, to, a, to a normal brewery. Um, and, you know, these units can be mounted inside or out. A lot of people, if you can, I like them outside, um, but they're small. They've got a little bucket underneath them, a rotary valve, and, and typically it's five or six pickup points that we're going to pull air from. Um, and you, know, you clamp together ducting that's, that's simple to work with, uh, add that unit. We could come in, 
anywhere in the country, do a survey on that, walk you through it and get you compliant pretty easily. We'll, you know, we'll put a plan together that the brewmaster, uh, you know, can reach out, um, you know, to his architect um, and or local authorities and, you know, submit that paperwork. So if they're having problems with that, um, it, it's not that difficult. Yeah. So this has been a fun conversation. Everybody's throwing so many questions your way. So I'm going to relay the next to you, John. And this yeah. one is, how do I know when to choose a bolt together silo versus smooth wall welded bin? Gotcha. Um, yeah, <laughs> bolt together silos. Um, they look appealing. They have, first of all, they have a look. Uh, a corrugated silo at the right brewery looks awesome. Yeah, you know, I like them. I like the look. I've, you know, bars are made out of it, out of that material. Um, problem. Those bins were are, are designed for the farm, and they were designed to gravity fed. So you know they would you know harvest their wheat, and they would auger it into the top. A little hatch comes up, goes in, fills up. Uh, their short term storage, and that's their design. Uh, they have gaskets; they're sealed. Um, so you know upfront cost on a bolted silo. If somebody's trying to save money. Uh, can look appealing. Um, things will add, and we, we've run the numbers a lot. What will happen on a cost perspective is there are a lot more money to uh, build. Um, you know, it's a lot of bolts. You, know, you need a crane, you need a shop, or you do it outside. It takes a lot of time and effort. When you look at that versus the price of a welded silo, um, we haven't, honestly, haven't done a bolted bin in quite some time. The other thing that happens is they leak. And when you have a, a, a silo of all those seams uh, and you convert it to a brewery or distillery silo, um, you're actually cut in there. You put some vent lines, you put a fill line. Um, and every time they come to fill that thing, they put five, four to five PSI of pressure uh, in, that, in that silo as they fill it. And it expands a little bit like that. So you have a sealed up unit that's, you know, you, did, you spent all your time on, you did it right. And then every time you fill it, you like that. And every time it does that, it breaks those seals. And so for that reason, uh, because, you know, we we changed out, you know, quite a few of those that we put in, um, I'd have to really be talked into using a bolted silo right now. Um, they leak if you're in a wet climate. Uh, you know, I've got, I'll come to a brewer, you know, brewer and a guy's going, man, look at this. I, I got all this chunks of green grain um you know they get moisture in them they leak really bad and uh so not a big fan at this point honestly at what know. point in time did you start to go away from the bolt together silos as the efficiencies um uh building um a welded bin came down and the price came down and so now, you know, the, the cost has come down enough that that delta isn't worth the trade-off. It's not worth the leaks. It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the dust. Um, you know, I've, you know, we can, you can put a welded bin inside of a brewery with, you know, with the right ventilation. Um, and you'll have, we do it all the time. They don't have, a, they don't have any outside properties. So the silos go inside and we can fill in there and it's a clean, clean space. You do that with a bolted bin, uh, you're going to be wearing goggles and a dust mask. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for that, John. So let's talk a little bit more about silos. What are the advantages and disadvantages of using a spent grain silo? 
Yeah, you bet. Really, the only disadvantage is cost, um, upfront cost. The, but you know, storing spent grain, depending on how much is going on in the in the area of the country they're in. You know, some people have a great avenue for getting rid of spent grain. They'll have somebody that comes by every day and pick it up for them. Um, you know, a local farmer, whatever. And then some areas, it's very competitive. You get into the city of, you know, Portland, Seattle. Um, you know, there's a lot of breweries and that space is tight. Um, and so you've got, you know, all these open containers of spent grain. You have a, I was in the Seattle not too long ago really cool ass brewery having lunch outside you know having a beer and um all i could smell is rotten grain mm. you know and i was like i know the guy it's like he's good yeah you gotta help me with that I'm like yeah that's nasty you know so uh the advantages are you know cleanliness you know vermin rats um you know maintaining all those tubs um it, it, it's endless and you know being able to have a truck pull up open a gate or turn on an auger, be done with it, uh, rinses out automatically. Um, it's just the price. And a lot of guys starting out, that's something they'll sacrifice. They want to get to it. Uh, but it's one of the first things they do when they can. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. So I've really enjoyed picking your brain today on this. I mean, you've got how many years doing this at this point in time? Yeah, that's at least 25. That is amazing. Yeah. I can only imagine the neat things you've learned and seen across your career. So in addition to that insight, I'd love to learn a little bit more about the products you're most proud that ABM's offering and you know how you're unique. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, so what makes us unique um, is that we've, we've uh, looked at all aspects of, of putting in a brewery. So from initial concept, working with an architect, we have engineering group. Um, and, and we build it all into the price, um, so that, you know, you go to a standard architect firm or consultant, uh, or engineering group, they, they can only do one piece of that puzzle, um, where ABM, uh, we come to us, you gotta have your architect, you gotta have somebody take care of all that, build new space. Um, and if you have a consultant that's doing certain aspects of it, we work with consultant, but we have the engineering group. Um, to do that and, uh, and the skills behind it. Um, once it's done, um, you know, we've got the full fab shop, you know, so if, if uh, you know, things that'll throw off somebody just supplying equipment, um, you know, it's like it's customization. And, and so, you know, there's, even if we, we customize and have tailored everything for the brewery industry and an example of that, um, I don't know how much time you got, but um, even using a, an inexpensive auger, um, they're all built for the chicken feed industry. They got plastic ends on them. They don't have a good in feed. Um, but you have a basic tube and auger, we'll take that auger, we'll customize the discharge, put a new one on there, try clover fitting. Uh, the clock's anywhere you want it. The in feed is dust tight and sealed. Simple auger, right? Um, but making the BBUs, whether you need a hoist and trolley or a forklift style, you've got a low head room. We'll, we're able to design a bulk bag unloader um, that fits in your space. Uh, the scale package, the controls, we do it, we have all that, you know, we're a scale company and we have a controls division. So from, and then support and installation. You know? So when we talk to people, it makes it hard for us to compete sometimes, honestly, but not much. Um, we can, 
there's guys that'll just drop ship and say, yeah, we can sell you an auger, a mill and a hopper. Um, they're sitting, you know, in their pajamas at home. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll quote it out and it'll all get drop shipped in and it, it's a mess. It's oily. It's greasy. The parts don't fit well and well. Um, all that's done in our shop. So we ship out a unit. Um, it's ready to go. It's designed to be, you know, no matter how well you engineer, uh, we'll get out there and you had to move a mash ton over five feet. It went right through a tubular or an auger. Um, guess what? Our equipment's built to work around that, you know? So from a, we're an A to Z group when it comes to breweries. We've, and it's just, we kind of, breweries is a, is a niche that utilizes all of our skills call it by accident, call it by desire, um, whatever, but we have a, we're a good fit for it. Man. It's a great industry to work in. So John, like, you know, with all your expertise, I'm sure you never stop learning. Is there anything that's in your space that's really exciting you right now? Any new developments, any new trends, anything you're just pumped on? Yeah, that's cool. Um, 100% on the learning. I like to get up every day and challenge myself and, and uh, people that do well, um in our company or that way um i love absolutely love coming out of a meeting in my company um and having the you know group and individuals uh come up with things that challenge me and and do things that are um you know more exciting than i ever could have done my, by myself um and so but that said in the in the industry uh you know these things that are driving you know grain drying you know, trying to minimize that grain um, and prepare your um, your spit grain, um, other than you know the, the fashion now of the soup. And so we are looking at, at doing some of that um, and saying, okay, we can condition that spit grain, uh, give you more options, uh, maybe even sell it. Um, and so that's that's been exciting. Um, and uh, you know. Beyond that, we're constant modifications all the time. Um, and you know, probably a mill on the horizon. So yeah. That's exciting. Is there anything else you'd like to share with everyone about yourself or ABM? Oh, man, I thanks for, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And, um, you know, reach out, hit our website. Um, you know, you'll get a, a fast response uh, from us. And uh, we love the brewery industry and it's still an industry, man. It's fun and it's in our blood. Awesome. Well, that's abmequipment.com. John, it's been awesome hanging out with you today. I hope to bump into you before too long to share a pint and maybe not smell that bad grain smell that you described earlier, but that pleasant, you know, aroma of a nice brew day. Awesome, man. Andrew, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. cheers. Appreciate you. Bye. Thank you for listening and being an important part of our community. Please hit the subscribe button to stay on top of more sessions that can help you grow as a craft beer professional. And join us for more conversations in our community on Facebook. We appreciate you. Cheers.